It's lit. All right. Episode. <laughs> Straight up. All right. Episode 16. We got the got the Astro World. No alliance here. Check it I out. I mean, that joke was straight. It was cool. I got to listen to it. You didn't even listen. You was about to give a whole soliloquy about, oh, it was this. It was, uh, you didn't listen I to just got to listen to it again. <laughs> I was listening to it at work, so uh, yeah. Henry Woods, how are you? You know, life is good. Elsa's coming up. I'm trying to focus on that. Life's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, because we're trying to get good audio now because Henry be having his little uh, you know, soft talking moments. Uh, all right. Episode 16. We here. And we try not to laugh. <laughs> we here. Now I'm laughing at your background. Yeah, you know, got the lion covering the face. You're corny. It's a, <laughs> it's a uh, movie. Uh, all right, so we're going to get into these topics. Uh, we're going to do the same thing that we did last time. Just kind of do some quick hitters. Not, no, no more big facts for your mind. I mean, we kind of do got a big fact. Switch that to big fact. Coming you up. just like... <laughs> all right, so the first topic we're going to have... Um, so, Henry put this in the doc, so shout out to Snap, Snap, Snap. We need an audio guy to, we like, just, add it. Well, actually, we just throw stuff in the group chat that, you know, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, you know, you know, we're going off left field. All right, so back on, back, back center on the road. Um, so, Black Women at Essence Fest, so this was led by Latoya Cantrell, who was the first black woman um, to be Mayor Nola. Shout out to her. Um, basically, Essence, I mean, everybody knows Essence Fest is, if you don't, you know, get under the rock you in. Um, so basically, Essence Fest had a bunch of political panels, um, and one that was led by Mayor Cantrell was the shifting landscape that was especially on um, local level le- local level leaders, um, especially mayors that are black women. So it was basically her, uh, Catherine Pugh from Baltimore, um, Muriel Bowser from D.C., Henry, who's the mayor of Atlanta. Oh, you're talking about Keisha Lance about her shoes? There it is. She was there as well. So I think... Um, oh, it was several mayors. Like, yeah, there were a lot. Was, there were a know, lot of I didn't a know lot of black that, women who were mayors. I didn't know it was that many. Neither did I. Black women that were mayors, like the mayor you Compton only was there. A few of like Gary, Indiana. Yeah. And, and then the thing is, like, most of them were black cities too. Like, yeah. Uh, so that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, the mayor Compton was also there, and she's running for Congress. So shout out to her. I think her name is Asia Brown. Um, they were all there. So no, I mean, I think that's, that's just kind of good. Cause I think one, I think the, what they were talking about, and of course, you know, Auntie Maxine was leading the charge. You're going to shoot straight with me. Um, no. So I think it was important because one, I think it was good to, you know, I think especially after like that Doug Jones Senate race in Alabama, we always talked about how, you know, it's important for black women to be highlighted and but also like for their issues to be put on the center stage since they are like the democratic coalition essentially but i think also it's, it was important to see black women elected officials out front saying like hey we can do this we can lead at local levels and trying to like and, and it all relates to right. your girl stacy abrams who's trying to be governor uh, yeah I'm surprised she was she there. I didn't see her name. She's in the streets, baby. Right. She ain't got time for this. I ain't got time to be but, in the um, I just I think that's think important. It, it's cool and it's important because, like, if you look at the political political landscape, black women represent severely. Yeah, uh, like yeah, like severely, like a lot. And it's crazy, or not even crazy, but it's good that they're. You know what I'm saying? Advocating for more black women or black people or whomever to you know get involved. On local levels, state levels, however yeah. you can, and then 
the importance of the upcoming uh, midterm Midterms. elections in November because a lot of black women running. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> black women running, running, and not only that, we need to take back the house or something. Yeah, you know yeah. What I'm saying? Need to flip something. Right, because how everything's going with this administration, I'm not rocking with it. Um, and I'm I advocate if you're not registered to vote, just Google how to vote and. All you state, need to yeah. know Rock, yeah, go the instructions to will come yeah. up because it's important. Um, I commend them for the, their efforts of hosting those several events throughout that weekend. Then it's yeah. cool because you have a lot of black women at the Essence Festival and they're in there. general, right? So they're yeah. engaging in that and they're becoming knowledgeable and they yeah. may be encouraged to get involved or push somebody else to get involved. So right. Kudos to them, man. Yeah, also because they were like just straight up challenging people, saying like, "Hey, these people who are like establishment in power, they need to do more mm-hmm. for us, not only in terms of like propping up our issues, but like supporting us when we run." Because right. it's not just about like, "Oh, they turn out and vote." It's like, "Oh no, Stacey Abrams is running. Let's let's, let's help her. Let's support. help her. Right, right, yeah, right, like, right. like let's help her. Not only like politically, <laughs> let's help her financially. Let's do everything we can to make sure because basically in the Trump administration, like the people who have been." The most against his policies are one black women. black elected officials, but black, black women, women specifically. Black women, so right. like they're literally the ones who are the like pioneer. right, and it's not always the type of thing where they're out vocal about it. They're just voting more. Right? Yeah, they're just more voting more against more. right. They're just voting against like no other kind of group. So that was the first thing to continue on with the uh, black political talk. Um, Eric Holder, the former attorney general under the Obama administration, former District of Columbia attorney general said he is, quote-unquote, interested in running for president in 2020. Henry, how do you feel about this? Oh, well, I read it. He was more so like, I'm focused on the midterms and <laughs> spots and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah he might get that pivot. Oh, so it was cool. Like, Eric Hunter, to, like, I, like, that's one of my people I, like, look up to or whatever. So I respect him. And if he runs, is like, another black man running for office. And then, like, for me, for him to be one of the first, I think, in my, like, opinion, Democrats to say something, you know what I'm saying, about running for presidency, like, strong, like, for Yeah, he was the first person to just kind of say, like, are you interested? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, everyone me, else has been, like, doing the behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah, so... so it was like, a, oh, snap, we, we might have a serious candidate. So I got a little excited. Um, We'll see what happens. Like, I don't – I'm excited. Like, if it happens, I'm definitely yeah, – I mean, I'm going to see how I can get involved and be on the committees and all of that. Like, what's good? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, like you said, like, I'm a little bit more skept- – not skeptical, but I'm a little bit more – I'm a little bit more down on Holder than you are. But that's not, like, a, like a thing of, like, he shouldn't. I think it's important because I think it's just one other person who will – try to change the conversation, try to change the conversations to the conversations about equity and trying to change the conversation and basically trying to make sure that all the people on the debate stage or whoever else is running, make sure that they say, Hey, let's try to focus on how, you know, when we talk about economic inequality, that, that, that often has layers that it's often we're talking about economic inequality. Most of the time it's for working class whites. Then it's for, you know, sometimes suburban people, then like black and brown people are often at the bottom. Right. So trying to basically, he's another person to kind of just say Ooh, like, right. To basically say like, Hey, I'm going to talk about this issue one, because I'm passionate about it, but now I'm going to make you talk about it, Right. which is what, I mean, for his credit, which is what Bernie Sanders did. He basically said, I'm going to keep talking about 
economic justice. And that's I'm, not putting him on the same. No, but 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 you know, but you know what I mean, though. He basically, I get what you're it's, it's kind of like how Trump does. He mentions one thing over and over again, and he makes you address it. Right. So I think Holder could have that same effect, where he's on the National um, Democratic Redistricting Committee, which deals with something we talked about gerrymandering. He can make people kind of upfront deal with that. He's a lawyer. He's done. You know, he has a pretty good record on. He has you know a mixed record when he was in D.C., but he has a good record in general in terms of the stuff that he does. And it seems like he'd be the fourth black person who was at least considering running for president, him, Deval Patrick, former governor of Massachusetts, um, and our two senators, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. So that's good. I mean, if you have four people running for president, then they can at least change the conversation. Especially, you know, holders can, you never know, Trump's president, anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. And that's what's scary about this upcoming presidential election, because a lot of people go are going to go into it with that mindset like anything can happen yeah. because of what just Trump happened. won once. Not even <laughs> yeah. Trump just won. Like, Russia interfered with the whole investigation. Uh, not investigation. <laughs> I'm tripping. Russia interfered with the whole election. Uh, allegedly. So, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, what could happen. Right. And then, not even thinking about presidency, midterm elections. Which, yeah, that's like... All of that. Because we don't um, even know. Yeah. Right, and we still don't know. Do we? No. Right. Right. So, it's like... Putin over here. <laughs> he over here listening to our conversation. Right. Like, it's crazy. So, but no, that's something that hasn't been talked about. It just makes you think, like, what is coming in the future for America. But also how important every election is <laughs> like literally like literally like yeah that too and holding your elected representatives accountable there it is spoken like a true g henry woods um so this happened over the weekend um i think we're probably gonna not struggle talking about it but just kind of give the outlines and kind of see where the conversation the short conversation goes so over the weekend um in chicago 74 people were shot 12 of them were killed um a, a very small minority were children, but still nonetheless. Um, you know, Chicago has been kind of one of those things that Trump referenced during the campaign. Um, you know, the Chirac thing kind of got taken from like a local thing to kind of a national term of like, oh, you know, the numbers are related to Iraq and all this such. Um, and that often kind of occasionally led to the problem being kind of overstated in terms of what the real impact was and who it was affecting. Um, so, the first chief of staff to Obama after he won the presidency, uh, former congressman, Rahm Emanuel, um, is the current mayor. He's facing a lot of criticism for how he's handled the issue. Obama's kind of remained not too critical, but also kind of silent because that's his former chief of staff. That's his guy. So he doesn't want to be openly critical towards someone who he would honestly say is a friend. Um, I kind of like am struggling to kind of say like what the next step is. I don't know. I think it's kind of like we kind of admit when we don't know something. <laughs> and I think this is one of those things where it's just important to get out in the open space, not in the sense of like, oh, we need to push back because Chicago is not like this. Like, no, 74 people shot in a weekend is like alarming. And I think that's something that we need to talk about, even though it seems like it's a very internal thing and that it's happening in our communities only. Against pe- you know, black and all black people. That's what the problem is to me. Like, duh, we It's not even like the problem is like on so many levels. I yeah, can't it's, yeah, speak it's not like one directly thing. from it or toward it. We're not, we're not from never, there. Right, yeah. I'm not from Chicago, and honestly, I've never had to thank God encounter any like 
gun situation. So I think after that, I've seen a gun. I've held the gun and like stood like I was hard with it and all of that. But that's it. I've never aimed it at anyone or pulled the trigger or nothing like that. Right. But it's um, clearly layered. Like right. It's, it's layers to it. The, the problem is layered. And I think a big problem within all of that is one thing you said was it's only happening in our communities. Mm-hmm. So if you take that it's only happening in our communities, what is the bigger question like internally? Yeah. Black people struggle to love other black people, honestly. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's that. And yeah, go on. I think that goes on to, like, when you have street violence or gang violence or whatever you want to... Yeah, whatever you want to whatever, call it. Hash it out as people don't know how to mend these situations or handle conflict without being offended or getting emotional behind it. And you're not willing to understand the other person's point of view or perspective. That's just me speaking ignorantly because again I don't know but that's just me saying like if it's only happening in our community and I'm pretty sure it's not up happening in a middle class neighborhood it's happening right it's not like happening on the north side right yeah. it's happening in our west sub- side south right. side suburban yeah. not suburban urbanized areas so those people or people that are there are experiencing trauma on so many different levels mm-hmm and it causes self-hate and self-love and all of that, self-doubt. Right. So when you experience all this other stuff that's going on, you're going to want to protect yourself and defend yourself. And if the gun seems to be that protection, then whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's like the hard thing. Because I know like when I watch like interviews of like people who are in the streets or who are like former gang members, they're like, you know, when something is all kind of around you, you have no choice to either kind of like yeah, flee or react, yeah. or you have to like you. You know, that's just what I've heard. That's like you said, we're not speaking from any type of experience. So, if anyone's like from Chicago and we sound wild crazy, let us know because I think you know. no, but I think that's like the important thing because I think one here's like my kind of like thirty thousand view on it, and we'll move on. I think it's like, and you know, of course, you say what you got to say if you have anything to ask. Or like, I think you try to like envision like, okay, what. Like, it's in our communities, but, like, what's actually in those communities in the sense of, like, what are the job opportunities around there? What are the schools like? What's the transportation like? What's all these different things? Because, like you said, it's such a layered problem that it's not just, like, oh, there needs to be more love. Like, no, like, a lot of times, sometimes, like, some somebody could easily say, like, oh, there's all these gang tensions because the only way we can make money is to illegal activities and it's like it's me versus them and we're all battling for the same slice of pie there's not a place where i can go get a job there's not any type of schooling that will train me to go either go off to college or that will go put me in a program that i can learn how to do something and make money without having to do illegal activity so like it's a it's like it's this huge problem that can't be solved like with one act but each one act can like build on something to make it can change something so i think like which is oftentimes like what I've heard like when I was like listening to all and reading all this stuff about this where people were saying like it's such a big problem who knows where it starts it's like yeah it's a huge problem but like someone's got to like just take that first step and it can be first step on making sure like the city funds better schools in the area or one that you know that people try to get you know just remove children from the violence because a lot of times kids are often 
you know, bullets don't have names on them. Kids are hit by drive-bys. Or make sure that kids have more transportation after school so that they're not walking the streets. And when a drive-by happens, you know, a seven-year-old gets hit. Like, it happened over the weekend. You know, just trying to make sure that, like, that there's more safety for the actual people. Because I think one thing that gets lost in this is that even people who live in those communities don't want that violence. Exactly. And people often try to make it seem like, oh, well, this is just a community they're thing. They're just accepting Right. That. And it's like, no, like, people from these communities will tell you, like, we don't want this. So I think trying to actually understand that there are people in those communities who are like not with it, who are who are honestly trying to like make a better life for themselves, but uh-huh. it's just like when you're surrounded by something, what can you really do? Right. So I think that's something that we're gonna try to keep hitting on. And now we haven't done this in a while. Get my Jamaican voice on. Big facts. We Big. haven't did it in a while. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> We just been busy, man. I'm standing for the other You went on vacation. I went on vacation. We've been busy. Look, you know. You know, shout out to me. You know, within that Dominican Republic. Oh, Republica Dominicana. Um, you took right. Spanish classes? I actually, um, so in high school, I took two Spanish classes. No, I took one Spanish class. Didn't have the necessary requirements. Shout out to my guy, Levy, getting your boy through high school. But Howard, though, I nailed that Howard Spanish. Bueno. Um, all right. Huh? Say that a little louder, sir. He cheated every time. <laughs> wow, you ruined my life. Oh, whatever I want to call myself. We'll edit that knowing we don't have the possibility to do that. <laughs> um, so I think one big thing that I think um, was happening over the last couple weeks, um, and you'll see it in the artwork. <laughs> um, so I think this goes to what I would call um, athletes accepting and denying their platform. And I think... What's been one of the main things we've talked about through this podcast? <sighs> Sir Colin Kaepernick. It always somehow relates back to him. You know, he's like... He's out here. But I think... Um, so, like, this mainly started with LeBron James. Um, he's someone who's accepted his platform and tried to basically enact social change. He's not only accepted... He said 2018 is my year. Bro, I, he, <laughs> he hit in no Like, bro, he, Bro, back there. It's like, right, somewhere, right, somewhere, right. You remember that song, right? That's what he's doing. So, um... First off, um, shout out to LeBron. He opened a school. LeBron. Yeah, LeBron James. LeBron. Um, so basically he opened um, a school in his hometown of Akron that gives um, the attendees food, travel within outside of two miles. It gives the parents job training, food pantries, and tuition to the University of Akron all on the foundation's diamond. Like a, it's a mix of like the, his foundation and the city of Akron. So you I mean, get like, bikes. Yeah, you get bikes. Tuition. Helmets. Freaking uniforms. So, no, so shout out to him. That's a that's, dream come nah, true. That's, that's real big. Um, so, basically, when he was being interviewed and asked about this, um, you know, LeBron is, is very open and very you honest. Know, he's a humble guy to be who he is. I like him. Um, so, basically, he said um, that Trump has used athletes and athletics to divide the country. And then, basically, James, to paraphrase, basically, James said, indeed. So, basically, James said that with his platform, he can't sit back and say nothing. So then, um, Henry's president, Donald Trump, said... Listen, what we're not going to do is continue to yeah, say my name. Like, oh my. Um, so basically, in an interview with Don Lemon, Trump said, um, Lemon made LeBron really smart, which isn't an easy thing to do. Um, so basically, this goes with LeBron accepting his platform. And I think, one, that's a thing that we should applaud. And I think that's a thing that should be... Encourage. I know Henry forwarded me a bunch of stuff of like athletes like Derrick Rose and other people doing either, you know, um, what did he? What did Derrick Rose do? He did a Derrick he Rose, did a book drive he, or a backpack drive. Or, 
Wow. Oh, no, he paid a scholarship, right? Rose Scholarship. Yeah, Rose Scholarship. Yeah. 400K uh, to high school students for college tuition. Yeah, from Chicago. So that's good for him. So I think, um, one, I think that should be applauded because I know we applauded Kaepernick for basically not only just saying, like, hey, I'm going to stand up for this, but I'm actually going to, like, put my dime on the line and say I'm going to support charities. I'm going to support. 10 for 10. Yeah. I'm going to encourage other celebrities to give their money so mm-hmm. it's not just me it's we're creating an actual movement right. so i think that's like that's really big facts to lebron and i think then um this all comes with um dak prescott who's the quarterback for the dallas cowboys one of the few black quarterbacks we have in the league like kaepernick was um basically he's under fire for his anthem stance he said um with regard to kneeling for the anthem he said i don't think that's the time or the venue to do so so when you bring such controversy to the stadium, to the field, to the game, it takes away from the joy and the love that football brings a lot of people. He went on to say that he is for action and doesn't think kneeling or standing is creating a solution. So I think that with LeBron and with Dak Prescott, you get like a clear two sides of how some athletes and even famous people in general say, like, I have this platform. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to not only like, just say what I want to say, but I'm going to try to inspire change. I'm going to try to inspire dialogue. But then on the other side, you get some athletes who say, I don't think this is the time or the place, and they're kind of like, I'm going to fall back. Like, what do you think this all means? Uh, in terms so, of like, personally, you were slayed to the dollar at that point, brother, man, because as a black man, as a black being in America, in the world, you have no choice but to stand up and use your platform for the greater good of your community. Like, I don't think that's a choice. That's like a responsibility you walk into as being a black human being. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to talk. Right. right. I'm not saying you have to be the one in front and poke with your fist up and you got the pitchforks and you ready to go torch something. You know what I'm saying? You don't right. have to be that person. But if Colin Kaepernick has risked his job, his career, everything, and you are one of the few black quarterbacks. Not even just that. You're the position. quarterback for the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. Right. The biggest Not, the biggest sports team in the country. Right. So with all of the and then most of their fans are black. <laughs> Not even that, no, but like no, black folks love the Cowboys. They do, but the stuff I be seeing on Twitter, how they got Make America Great Again I mean, 2020 stuff all on the fences. And I'm like, hold on, what? It's still it's But still, anyway, it's still the point here is, like, I personally, this is me personally, think that if you're a black person, especially a black male, especially that black male who's in the same, you know what I'm saying? Spot as Kaepernick. Same exact but spot. It, yeah. You should be siding with this brother. Especially knowing all of the controversy that has come behind it, you might as well call yourself a Clarence Thomas. Yeah, I think my thing is that. Um, or what? That, what's the other dude name? Uh, you just said Ben Carson. Ben Carson, yeah. like yeah. you one of them. You a sellout. You a slave to the dollar. You just think about yourself. Yeah. I think one thing is like, and I saw some people. They were like, you know, he could have said like, you know, I'm not going to answer any anthem questions, but I think that, and he could have clearly said like a but. This is something that needs to be addressed. When you don't even like clarify to say like, "Yo, this," frankly, like this shit is fucked up. Right. But also the kind of thing of like you said, like you're the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You are an indispensable part of that team. If you say something to stand up, you're not gonna get. And I think this is like an underrated part of this 
is that when Kaepernick did it, he was a backup. The team who he was playing on, they weren't sweating if they if he wasn't on the team next year. That's a part of this. They're not cutting him. He's not getting penalized for if he kneels tomorrow. Everyone's gonna be like, oh, what's gonna happen to him? Nothing because what do the Cowboys want overall? They want him on the field. So he has that rare responsibility. He has that rare. He's one of the rare football players who can say. I can literally say what I want, and you need me more than I need you. I'm going to get a job. I'm not Kaepernick. If you cut me, 15 other teams tomorrow will want me. Right. And that's on you. So I'm going to kneel. I'm, it's not even about kneeling. It's, and also I think the part that bothered me was that he said, you know, I'm for action. I don't think kneeling or standing will do anything. Right. So but, what are you going to do? Right. Like you're saying that, but then what's the next step? It's like, oh, I'm for action does nothing. Not even just on a kneeling part, but like you're not going to give to charity. You're not going to try to set up a scholarship in your name in Mississippi where right, you're from. Right, right, right. Like you're saying you're for action, but then there's no action behind behind those it. Words. So I think that that's a big L. I mean, I was a big fan of his. Like in terms of like you got to, I support black. I, mean, I support black they, quarterbacks because that's a big thing if, for if, me. If Kyler Kaepernick ain't signed, we don't need to be watching the NFL. Point blank, period. 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 You know why? You know why? Because we don't support each I can go on a whole rant, but no, for real, can. like, a person thing if he's not signed, we should be watching it. He lost his job for stuff that is intensified since. You know? So, nothing, what are we really doing right. as a whole, as a people, to say, we stand, We are not going for it. Y'all right. need to do something. Plus the league's actions. You know so, what I'm Plus saying? the league's actions sense of basically saying you can't kneel kind of, like, goes to... Why he or his interpretation of why he was kind of like blackballed, quote unquote. Like I did this, now you all retire. I'm no longer in the league, but then you all create a rule that says I, you, I, no one can do what I just did. Hmm. Right. Like okay. Right. Like and strange. Then, like funny. Then they they want to recant their rules sometimes. I don't oh know yeah. What's going so on. that that's See, whole, it was speaking of the NFL. To the Madden thing. Oh <laughs> yeah. wait, we gotta retract a little bit because. We talked about LeBron James, so we got to talk about how he's producing this shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on Showtime in response to Laura Ingram. Ingram. Uh-huh. I said it, Ingram. 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 <laughs> anyway, who told him to shut up and dribble? Um, after he criticized Trump and called him a, you bum. Right. For after he called him some sons of bitches. Yeah, basically. Right. So he's standing That's the problem. Any look. This levels to this. I'm telling you. But, um, yeah, just shout out to him for, like, taking the, like, as Michelle said, when we, when they go low, we go high, you know, taking a higher role and, you know what I'm saying, producing a whole documentary and just stating his opinion and speaking from the perspective of a basketball player, NFL, a black man. Yeah, I mean, that's the right. important thing. It's not even as, like, oh, I'm this, like, rich black athlete. It's like, no, I'm a black person. Right. I have two black sons. I have a young black daughter. Right. I have a family. I mean, he's been open. He's basically saying like, yo, in three years, my son's going to be driving. I have to watch him leave the house in a car, in a nice car that people aren't going to think is his. his. Exactly. And he's been open about that. And I think that's one thing that like, I can really appreciate is that he's a real person. He's a black man. (laughs) And and he doesn't shy away from that. He doesn't, he he doesn't think like LeBron's about to be a billionaire at some point, but he doesn't see himself as like, I had this high, better than superior. Right, like know? my money can shade me from the fact that I'm black or that my kids. I commend those type of people. You know, that's you know real. I mean, he's uh, and then we brought up Kaepernick, so we yeah. got to talk about how EA Sports blocked that man name for not one but two years. Two years. Yeah, they did do that. Two years. 
Uh, and since some celebrities have been discussing boycott, but I'm talking about YYG haven't filed suit yet. Yeah, so like to give more context, so like Madden 19, they put out it was on YG's Big Bank, Big Sean's verse. He said, "You boys all cap. I'm more Colin Kaepernick." What? What? Bars. Um, <laughs> so this is actually something that I find interesting from a legal standpoint. Um, it said EA released a statement, and then they said members of our team misunderstood the fact that while we don't have the rights to Kaepernick's name in the game because he's not a current NFL player, this doesn't affect the soundtrack. So they're basically saying, uh, like, this is like they're trying to thread that needle, but they're doing it poorly. They're basically saying, like, oh, the proof is in the we couldn't put him in the game. So we just because we couldn't put him in the game, we thought we you couldn't. You did this last year. <laughs> we could, like, like, you expect me to believe that y'all are that big of a corporation and y'all just, like, just don't know and that's that. My thing <laughs> like, with, like, that's my thing with all these big corporations, Fortune 500 companies. Like, y'all might as well just say, we did not want to put him in the game. Right, we didn't, we want, didn't do our job. Not even that. We did. We made a tactical decision that we thought it was bad. That we thought people would get upset if we included his name yeah, in the game. Yeah, we were wrong for that. Just say it's that. over. Cause now it's over. Why YG had to file a lawsuit? I'm just curious. But yeah, um, big bank takes little bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're about to hit y'all with the uh, heads up. Let y'all know what's going on in the community and out here, and then we're gonna be out here. Booty cop. Um, all right, so we got this, um, Trayvon Martin, doc- you want to, you want to do this one? Um, I, yeah, sure. All right, yeah, bet. <laughs> uh, but Trayvon docuseries, it premiered on 7-30-18, so July 30th, 2018 at 10 p.m. It comes on weekly, um. BET. Yeah, on BET. I actually missed this week's episode. I did too, I feel kind of bad. Like, I, I do, bad. because I watched the first one and it was so good, like, I've heard this a lot. I was talking to Bria before about this, and she said like it's a lot mm-hmm. like to watch. Like in terms of like it, it puts it, it in your face. Because like, like they literally walk you through every single thing, how it happened. Like the right. first one, like for me, he is just a reminder of what I should be doing and why I exist and what my purpose is. Because one, he died on my birthday in two thousand. Oh yeah, 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 I forgot that. Uh, February twenty sixth. Oh, and sorry. I was actually coming from Howard University, like my dream school. And, and it was just ironic because all of this happened, I'm on Instagram, like what happened, like trying to figure all this out. And a black dude get killed by this whomever. I don't really know his race for real because is he white for real? I think it's Hispanic. Right. So anyway, uh, he get killed by this man and it just blows me a little bit and it's like this is why I'm going to Howard. This is why. This is why. So, like, that documentary gave me that same emotion. Like, I was, like, what? I was, like, watching it. I'm like, uh, uh, you know? It's, like, if you haven't checked it out, try to find an episode online because the Paramount Network that produced it, they have it online. Yeah. Um, it's called Rest in Power, produced by Jay-Z and Trayvon Martin's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, what Henry talked about since he watched the first joint, which makes sense, um, it basically tracks race relations beginning with Martin's death up to the rise of Trump and white nationalism. So it kind of like starts with him. As like a, It's my understanding that it starts with him as like this individual moment in time. And that then how that... Exploded led, into right, so and now how so much yeah. other stuff led. So check that out. Um, mm-hmm. Good on, I mean, good on another black person, mm-hmm. Jay Z. For and since we brought up that, it's crazy. Zimmerman was charged with stalking the IP that they hired to do the docu series. I ain't got nothing to say. To I that. mean, it's, no, just, like, yeah. it's like, re, like, why is this? Why you get? Uh, my gosh, that's that passion. I'm, 
<laughs> anyway. Sorry, listeners, if your earbuds like just pop wide. Hey, I woke y'all up. I got your earbuds doing a tootsie roll in this joint because of you. Um, let me see what's next. Uh, so one, since we always seem to talk about the Trump administration with immigration, because you know he's the same guy who said he didn't want uh, Muslims in the country and thought Mexicans were rapists. So you know. You get what you vote for. Uh, never mind. Um, so basically, the Trump administration, this is a rumored proposal. It has not happened yet. I'm sure when it does, Henry and I will be about to jump off a cliff in frustration. But the Trump administration is basically making a proposal <laughs> that, and this is my paraphrasing, of course, uh, they plan to make it harder for legal immigrants to become citizens or to get green cards if they use the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, the Children's Health Insurance Program, CHIP, or other social programs such as um, I think it's Medicare and um, food stamps. So basically, the example that I use, if listener, if you are a immigrant from, let's say, Nigeria, you come over here, you have a child with you, you and your child come, and your child uses the Children's Health Insurance Program, which basically gives health insurance to... Why are you laughing? Oh, and, <laughs> and your child uses the child's CHIP, the Child's Health Insurance Program, which basically gives um, children health care if you don't make a certain amount of money. It's a very, very good program. Um, they're basically saying if you try to get, if you try to become a full citizen or get a green card, the proposal is that the Trump administration will make it harder for you. We don't know how. We don't know the steps that they will take. We don't know if they're saying if you use ACA. They're not bored. This is what they. This is what they wanted to do. Like I don't know what. Like to me, they're not bored. Trying to figure out how to make people's life more difficult. Where? Where was you in 2016? That's what, like, this is, and, like, <laughs> I think this is, like, what frustrates me is that, like, this is, in, one, this wouldn't need congressional approval, which is scary, but not, like, Republicans in Congress would do anything. Um, this is influenced by Stephen Miller, the same guy who, Trump's senior advisor, who was basically the architect of the travel ban. So, like, hey, Trump said all this stuff, and now you acting like you shocked that he's doing this. Like, right. like spare me. Like, that don't make... Just, like I, I, I can't. I like when this. It just, I hope it doesn't drop because like a lot of stuff with the Trump administration, it's rumored, but then it never like happens. Happens, but since it's on immigration, that really scares me. because they be pushing. They be doing stuff. They be, they be like, pushing they stuff. <gasps> shout they out, just, shout out to Andre Hamill, uh, administrative law. <laughs> Anywho, anyway, so oh, shout out. This real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'll do my life. Um, YG donated 150k to startup company Girls Co LA. Uh, if y'all know Maria, company, Little Miss Flint, bro. I'm terrible with names. You are. I'm sorry, but she's raising money to uh send kids back to school. Uh, so Google her GoFundMe and see if you could. The uh, hashtag is Flint. Flint's kids back to school. So, yeah. Um, no, so shout out to YG. Putting, putting in a check. Yeah. That ass. Yeah. Um, my last joint is a personal note. If anyone knows me, they know I enjoy... What? You got something? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. My bad. Oh. You got something to add or are you, are you talking about my joint? Not really. Oh. What? Man, Say, you got something? Not like... Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Awkward. <laughs> Co-host beef. Right. Um, so, basically, personal note for me... Um, James Baldwin, who's one of my favorite writers, Henry and I were just talking about how he needs to go see um, I Am, I am not, not Your Negro. Very good movie narrated by Sir Samuel Jackson. So everybody go check that out. Came out a little while ago. 
Um, so basically, James Baldwin's 1974 novel, If Beale Street Could Talk, is becoming a film. Um, the book is a love story that's um, between these two characters, Fonnie and Tiff, Tish. Um, Fonnie is falsely accused of rape by a racist cop. Um, his then um, fiance, the two get engaged, um, eventually goes to jail, and while his fiance is pregnant. So I think one, this is an important. It's an important story because, I mean, hey, people get falsely accused of stuff uh, every all day. The time. Um, it's a relevant story. So like, it's a relevant story. It's a James Baldwin novel, so you know, like. The story is there, but most importantly, the first thing that Henry asked was who's doing it, which is even important. Um, it's going to be directed by Barry Jenkins and produced by Plan B Entertainment. The what else they do? Like, you got to let the people know. The 2016 most, the 2016 <laughs> best picture award that was Moonlight. So basically, the production's there, the director's there. Um, it's starring Kiki Lane and um, Stefan James, who was um, who played Jesse Owens, and he would also play John Lewis and Selma. So there's a yeah. So also Henry's favorite person, Paper Boy, he's gonna be Paper in it. Boy. Yeah, Paper yeah, Boy. yeah. Oh my god. So Paper <laughs> Boy from uh, Atlanta, he's gonna be in it, and everyone's favorite uh, auntie actress Regina King, she's also gonna be in it. So no drop in November thirtieth, so everyone should check that out. Yeah. Oh, good Friday. Get your ticket because Black Clans be coming out. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about that? I mean, it's going to be epic. Like, I really am excited to see this. It's something we need. Like, give, you know, give, not. Give, give, give more context. What, 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 what's it about? Who's, oh, who's it's directed? Like, Come on. Man. It's, <laughs> a spike, it's a Spike Lee film. A Spike Lee joint. Spike Lee joint. Um, joint. John, John, whatever. I haven't been to DC, you know, my accent be fake. John. But point here is, uh, the story is about a black man who infiltrates the KKK. It's actually a true story. I don't know who's in it. Um, it's starring um, Denzel Washington's son, David, oh. David Washington. He's like the. Main. Is he as good? I mean, you can't be as good as. Mine. <laughs> 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 but no, for real. Um, get y'all tickets. Go see that. Like, yeah. So we about to get y'all low. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Drop that B. We going back. Yeah. Yeah.